Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. This episode is slightly different because our guest today, Charles Alexander, is not an insurance professional. Instead, Charles's mission in life is to help busy professionals, mainly insurance brokers in the US, to stand out in a crowded marketplace by creating story-based explainer videos. Charles is also the director of Tennessee Small Business Development Centre and a volunteer at State Community College, where he provides one-to-one business coaching and teaches seminars to help entrepreneurs grow their business. Good afternoon, Charles. Thank you very much for coming on this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. It's a bit different today because you're not UK-based and not an insurance professional, are you? I am not. I am U.S.-based Tennessee, and for those of you familiar with the South here, my accent will live up to everything you imagined. (laughs) Amazing. I know we've had a chat about the amazing things that you do. Would you just give us an overview for the purpose of those listening? So I have a full-time job as a small business coach. Uh, We have a system here in the uh, uh, States, uh, Small Business Development Centers. And if you could imagine, uh, I know you want to make this uh, podcast evergreen, but we've been going through this thing called a pandemic and I've been exceedingly busy trying to coach people through it. Now, I also have my own small business where I create explainer videos, little animated videos, primarily for people in the insurance industry and the financial industry that they can use for marketing to stand out in the crowd and to close more clients. Uh, Both of those things have been wide open and uh, life is still pretty good. That's awesome. And actually, videos is something that quite a few of my clients are now starting to think about putting together and stuff like that. Talk me through what kind of videos you you think, I know we're jumping straight in, but sure. what kind of videos you think work well for financial services, insurance industries? So, you know, not, not to sell what I do, but I think animated videos work really well, primarily because a, a lot of the insurance brokers I work with are not super comfortable with getting on camera, so to speak. They may do really well in a one-on-one setting like this or in an interview or just talking to their clients. However, something about the little red dot on a camera takes them from being a world-renowned speaker to Elmer Fudd instantly, and they, <laughs> they struggle with it. And it's not something they produce and it comes out really well. So I'm a big LinkedIn user and I know a lot of your uh, listeners may be using LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. And as you scroll through, you see tons and tons, especially now more than ever of these talking head videos where somebody flips on the camera, doesn't have a script. They're not quite ready. And they say, um, you know, and for the first 30 seconds, they just, Hey guys, I just wanted to hop on here real quick. And, uh, those are not good. And they're almost always in a car. Why? I still yet to understand that. Is it because they're too embarrassed to do it in front of their house or their, you know, where the dog will be looking at them? Uh, okay. And they're not really even looking at the camera. They're looking at themselves, which means they're looking to, either way. Yes, I could go on and on. So <laughs> those can work well if they are professionally produced. And 
you know, it's not just your iPhone with NOAA audio. It's, you know, somebody that's an actual video videographer that can get you, but maybe a couple of different angles where they can slide in some text here and some graphics over here and change the angle and make it 90 seconds, two minutes. That does help build your no like and trust factor. So the purpose of moving it to an animated video is because they're more fun. People already have their guard up a little bit when they're talking to somebody in the insurance industry because they're afraid you might be trying to sell them something or that you're going to be boring. So it lowers their guard a little bit. It outsources it to someone else that does this all of the time. And anybody that you outsource it to, if they do a good job and you actually use your own video, it'll pay for itself instantaneously. And if it's something you're going to do all of the time, it may be even... You know, we can talk about how to learn how to make your own, but it's something that really captures people's attention and it's very good for story-based explanations. And I love a story over facts all day long. So I agree with you completely and I am not a videographer but have been dabbling in my own YouTube channel. We've just, Boston Tullis just launched a YouTube channel, which is essentially our podcasts have been chopped up into bite-sized chunks around specific questions. So I might bite-size this up as what's the purpose of a videographer? What's the best way to do a a video marketing? You know, something like that. So I'm dabbling in it and I've actually just started to learn how to use an online tool for marketing sketch drawings. What are you using? Doodly. Doodly. That's right. That's that's one of them that's yeah, I did my first one the other morning and I, and and it was a lot of fun creating it and sure. I've got a lot to learn but I completely on board with what you're saying. I do it for Boston Tullis and advocate it for my clients and I've got lots of signposting sure. and people within my group that can do that. But this is what comes back at me every time. Time and mental space to sit down and develop the content, confidence and back to time for the editing, posting, and thinking right. through that. I know what I say to that. I'd love to hear what you say to that. I mean, I'm going to say the same thing that you do. I don't want your listeners to think that I'm just telling you this to sell them something. And that's a whole separate topic. And you've probably had a podcast on it, or you should have a podcast on it, on the best ways to use your time, because that's the great equalizer among everybody on planet earth we all have the same 24 hours and how you use it is entirely up to you but you got to be working on the business instead of in the business the best thing any insurance broker could probably be doing is not necessarily you know the paperwork the tedious bookkeeping aspect it needs to be growing the business and there's a variety of ways to do it and you know there's several pros and cons to each but Getting in front of people or staying uh, uh, top of mind to them is good. Uh, Behind the scenes editing and some of the writing and some of the posts of nonstop social media, you know, just throwing things out left and right is not a good use of your time. So the reason I always tell folks, and it doesn't have to be to me, but you need video to begin with. About 80% of what is online now, traffic wise, is video. That's not decreasing, that's increasing. That was... 60% 60% 10 years ago, 70% just a few years ago, and it's going to increase. It's not going to get replaced anytime soon. So it's a little like saying 20 years ago or 15 years ago, hey, I think you need a website. Well, we're at a point now that's a done deal. You have to have one. Video's kind of getting to that point. You have to have it. So the reason you need to outsource it, there's so many other things you should be doing, uh, but you're on the right track. You're, you're 
toying with it at least to see what you can and can't do. Uh, and I encourage people to do that. There's a ton of other softwares that are out there. I personally use Beyond, B-Y-O-N-D. That's what I create my soft uh, my videos with. It's very robust. It's really cool. I've even got tutorials on exactly how to create your own. So, you know, if you don't want to use me, that's fine. But what I'll always come back to, if you plan on being a higher producer, you want to hire people, you want to grow your office, you want to sell your business one day, that's one of the first things you get rid of. So you can focus on, you know, hiring the next producer on figuring out what the next revenue stream is on what the next policy is that you should be looking at to get ahead of the curve, not necessarily playing around trying to make cartoon characters do something funny. That's my <laughs> job. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think there is quite a strong need for business owners, business owners, maybe not so, but client facing staff, people in a sales role, people that are building relationships and building their own personal brand to engage in marketing. Now, I'm not talking about you have to be developing the content, doing the content, editing the content, posting the content. I'm talking about some engagement in who you are marketing to what. What is it you want to say? It's no good saying, actually, I've got an insurance broker business and we focus on construction clients. Could you just go and do all my marketing for me, please? That's not you can't get your personal message, your business ethos out there when you've just gone, I don't really want to engage with that. Can somebody else just do it? Unless you are really lucky and you get somebody who can almost integrate into your business and go, right, guys, I'm looking at how you're running this. This is what I'm seeing as your, your real message to your clients. So how about this? And obviously that comes with time and at a price. And I think you've got to pick which way you want to go. What are your thoughts on that? I think you hit the nail on the head. Most, and especially in insurance, people love to hide behind or make the excuse of, well, my client, they don't want to know me. And they're, I'm, you know, I'm boring or, you know, they just need insurance and they want to move about their day. It's, it's a little obstacle that they can use an excuse as so they don't have to integrate themselves fully into the business. But right now, more than ever, people are picking who they do insurance with or who they do anything with based off of, uh, and I've used this term and I'll continue using a no like, and trust factor. They have to assume that you're relatable, not that you give great customer service, you have years of experience, or you have these certifications and letters that they don't know anything about. Every bit of your competition is saying the same thing is generic and it's boring. Even if you do give great customer service, you don't have to tell them that. They kind of assume that. They won't assume if you don't say, I give great customer service, they'll say, well, Sarah must suck. She didn't say a thing about giving great customer service, so she must not be good at it. Doesn't cross their mind. What is the thing that makes you relatable, that you focus on, why you're different, or how do you help people in very plain spoken language? I tell folks all of the time, figure out what that one line is of who you work with, why you're different, and the results they can get from working with you, and hammer it home. People need to hear from you 7 to 12 times before they even know that you exist. You almost have to be sick of saying the unique and different thing over and over and over before they even know that you exist. But you're 100% right. You've got to get integrated into your own marketing. So when you say outsource it, you're right, but you have to be the one that has the vision. Even if you have to talk to the marketing person to help you gain the vision of Why are they going to work with you? Why are you different? I mean, and it can be something as simple as your backstory or the current type of life you live. You and I were both talking about having two little girls, little boy, all about the same age. And 
You know, Sarah, you guys take a good look at her. Her hair's going to look like mine before you know it, dealing with kids. Uh, <laughs> this is a wig. <laughs> it is, bless, but it's pretty. Hey, but it, it's about trying to relate to the customer. And you're going to attract people, not to make a silly little quote here, but Tony Robbins says we hang out with two types of folks, people who are, we are like or people that we want to be like. And that's who you're going to attract. Uh, and that's what you want to do because it makes your life a little easier and it makes your customer happier as well. I had a real. I did a really interesting exercise. The exercise is interesting, and I've done it with a couple of of, of smaller brokers in the UK. And it was, um, I think, an eye opener to everybody around the table. And we we sat together, and we had a long list of their clients, who their clients were, and we devised it up into what kind of industry, what geographical area are they in, how many employees. How much time do you spend on that client? What, how many policies do they have with you? And what's your income? And we divided it all up and had a good long look at it. And then we marked, just off the top of your head, give me your top two favorite clients. And we went round the room. Every time we've done this, gone round the room. Why are they your favorite clients? And you really start to pull out from people what makes their perfect avatar. But you sure. say to somebody, go and do, go and give me a customer avatar. And they go, ah, uh, what? And rightly right. so. My head's in 15 different places because I'm running a brokerage. I've got the HR function. I've got the marketing function. I've got the sales function. I've got the management function. Don't give me avatar. But just and, and having that conversation. That, well, and they'll dumb that down too. Well, our customer could be anybody between 20 and 80, male or female, High income, low income, it really could be anybody, but the exercise you're talking about is perfect. You guys need to probably rewind that and and make notes of what Sarah just said, because identifying who your, not even your top producing clients, your favorite clients are, that's going to make you more money in the long run because you'll be sane. Find out who they are, why they're different, what, not just their demographics are, but what's their psychographics? Why do they make the decisions they make? And it's not about money and it's not about price every time. There's no way for a traditional broker to compete on just money and price, but what are the other things that make them tick? And if you can create that avatar, that's really specific. It's a 45-year-old male that lives in this region and they follow what you guys call football and I would ignorantly call soccer and <laughs> you know they've got two kids and they love paddleboarding. You know, that's that's something that a hundred percent. And what was really interesting with one with one client that I did this. Every single client-facing individual around the table, their top two clients were freight forwarders. Why, why is that not a niche? Why is that not something you're focusing on? Let's look and let's develop that avatar and then and go after and get... And once you've done that with a company, that gives you the basis to go, right, what content do we want? Okay, I want some video content explaining pain point X for yes. target group Y. Charles, right. can you do that for me, please? And that's, that's how this whole marketing thing, outsourcing consultancy works. But I don't see that across the industry as people getting that. I see it as people, sure. oh no, marketing, how much is that going to cost <clears> me a month? And can you make it go away? And I, I really yeah. love this kind of conversation because we're, we're on the finally, same page. We're, we're finally starting to a little bit get past the idea that you can just blindly throw things out for marketing. Uh, And for years here in the States, and it's probably no different where you are, that people wanted to hire some high school kid or college intern to just randomly post crap 
the Facebook and Instagram because, well, that's what everybody's doing. And I'm going to get somebody else to try to get me to the front page of Google somehow, some way. And it, it doesn't work because you're not in the process. You get clients you don't like. You pay way more for results that, that, you, that you don't want. So going back to the idea of trying to identify that customer, I, even when I write scripts, for these videos, the only work I'll have my clients do is fill out a six question form. And from there, I write their script. They get to approve it. I send it off to professional voiceover artists. But those six questions, they could use it for anything. Uh, you know, the, is who do you work with very specifically? What pain point do you fix is the first thing I always ask. And you, you'd be surprised. I get a lot of people that stop dead in their tracks because they'll say that generic answer. Well, we target anybody and they're they want cheap insurance uh, uh, that, you know, they, they don't have to shop around. Yeah, everybody can yeah. and would be that. But specifically, especially if you're, you know, into benefits consulting, you may be a business. Well, what kind of business do you target? And then what specifically is their pain point? And then you get to talk about you of who are you and then why are you different? And what are the specific steps that you take that your competition doesn't? And that's, again, where people seem to get lost sometimes because... I think you're absolutely right. And, but I, I really think the reason that people get lost on that is because, because it's almost a gut feel, some of it. How do you articulate a gut feel? So, well, I kind of know what my business is about and I know right. how I feel about it, but how do I articulate that to then develop the marketing mass message around it? And so many times I see people go, so, you know, What's different about you? What's your USP? Right. Uh, well, I don't know. But that's a process to find that out. That is that is sitting sure. and going through your customers and asking these different questions. And once you ask the right questions, you find the right USP. It's like the penny drops and you go, oh, my God. Yeah, totally. This is what, this is what right. I want. This is the direction that I want to go in. That's 100% correct. And that's why I always take people through that process. So you really want to try to make sure that you've identified your unique Thing. And so many times you're right. People will, they'll go back to that. The things I was making, but well, I have great customer service. Well, everybody else says they do too. So that that's not a thing. So we'll wipe that out. How Good do deal. you do your storyboards? Because you have to be a creative type sure. of person to do that. And I've tried many a times and I come up with, uh, how do you do it? Right. What, what? So I've gotten lucky. So I'm, and I say lucky, I've always been kind of a person without a, uh, my own niche, so to speak. I've always been too creative or outside the box to stick with uh, what I think is uh, you call the left brain people, the spreadsheet dot, dot, dot. And then I've been too nerdy and not creative enough for the uh, artistic folks. So I, I've kind of been this mushy middle. So that's why it makes it helpful when I can actually work with insurance and financial and, and other people who, who can nerd out on some of this stuff. But I mean, it's, it's as simple as saying that little six question form, once I came across it of trying to figure out you know, who you target, what their point is, who you are, why you're different, and then creating the result. That's it. I've gotten to where I have learned to take that and create a 250 word script. And you guys take notes here, because if you ever decide to make your own video, this is helpful. 250 words is about 90 seconds. 90 seconds is our cutoff point. Anything uh, less than a minute makes it difficult to get your message across. Anything longer than two, two and a half minutes, better be Oscar nominated worthy to hold our attention because we, we literally are like uh, uh, toddlers. You know, as soon as a shiny object crosses our path, we're gone to the next thing. So people want they see that it's two and a half minutes. They won't even watch it. They won't commit to it. So 90 seconds is perfect. 
I'll write that script, send it to my client for review, tweaks, edits. But we've got their, like you've been saying, we've got their customer avatar and their pain point and the specific thing that makes you different. And then the results makes it very simple. So I always follow uh, when you're talking about storyboard, uh, you, you watch Star Wars, right, Sarah? My son's obsessed. Awesome. So if you think about what I call the first Star Wars, the it's actually number four. Now, we went back with my son and watched the first three. Terrible, by the way. But either way, he doesn't know any better because he's seven. We watched him anyways. But thinking about Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker has this problem. You know, he, you know, he wakes up. They've been attacked by the dark side. His life was fine until then, but now he has this problem. So he has to go get training. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, that's where you come in. You're not Luke Skywalker in this story. The customer has to be the center focus. So the storyboard is with the customer as the center focus. You come in as the helpful guy, the the one that's going to train them on the force. And then in the end, what does your customer get? Well, they get a policy that's just right for them, that fits their needs, and they can sleep well at night, not have to worry about that. And of course, Luke you know, blows up the Death Star, and that's not enough. They need to make five more movies about it. <laughs> So in your particular case, you can have follow-alongs or sequels in your own video project. So to answer your question, how do I storyboard it? I always think about it that way, and I write the script that way. And once the customer approves it, get a professional voiceover artist to make it. And I don't send my clients storyboard slides. I'll create the video from beginning to end. And I rarely, if ever, once I send it back for review, tweaks, edits, nobody's ever said, I hate this. We don't like it. Skip it. They love every bit of it with a few minor tweaks and edits, but it just tells that story in that exact same format. And stories, that can be a whole separate podcast for you. Stories sell better than facts all day long. It's been proven over and over. Uh, Carnegie Mellon actually did a case study in 1996. They sent out letters for a university that was trying to raise money, give scholarships to kids. So they sent out one that was all fact-based. You know, for every dollar you give us, we help this many people. Cool. And they raised some money. Then they sent out one that was story-based only. No facts, no figures. You know, here's Sarah. Poor Sarah needs to go to college. You know, she's been been dealing with her three kids at home, and now it's time for her to, her to go get that degree at, at university, as you guys say. So when they did that, it outsold, or it raised more than the fact-based one, over like 118%. And it's just mind boggling to think how we just want to spew facts and figures of people because it doesn't relate. Yeah, I completely agree. I did recently actually did a, um, a mail out split test just for yeah. fun. Um, yeah, that sounds like fun. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're talking about the nerd brain. There's mine. And I did exactly that for fun because, you know, to prove the theory to myself and, and it was hugely different on the story storyboard practical examples of this is what your client is you know does this client sound familiar to you right blah 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 blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> this is what you need to be telling them and, and how versus come and join us on this webinar la 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 you know so i, I just yeah i completely agree completely agree so here's a question for you right because this yeah. is another question that i come up against when having these kind of conversations how video editing, video development for a marketing tool in this country is expensive. Like every which way it's expensive. Unless sure. you DIY, it's expensive. What do you think of that? How do you get around that? It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, video work in general, and it's not like insurance where you feel like you've got a, a good idea of what an auto policy or a home policy is going to average out. We're still a little bit in the wild west, so to speak 
prices can be all over the place. I think I've priced mine out to where it's affordable, but it's not this top end crazy thing. And it's not this super cheap. You're not going to be happy with it video. That's what you need to be looking for. The idea is always what is the return on investment? And that's again, where you ought to nerd out and be thrilled because you can track that sort of thing. Assuming people are, I have found most insurance people don't track it. They try to go with a gut feeling of how that works. And that's a whole separate issue for a, a separate day, but track where the money is being spent. So I'll point blank tell you in terms of what I, my prices and it'll, you know, they're us prices. So take that with what you will, but it's nine 99 for a single video or seven 97 per video. Once they do three or more, the way I explain it to a client is what is a lifetime value of, of one of your customers if they get a policy or two and actually renew it for five, 10 years, a lifetime, uh, it'll pay for that video over and over. So when you're asking, yeah, but how do I get that initial investment? Well, make some of your own and try it with, by yourself. Save a, a few dollars, but try to uh, identify and look for referrals from other insurance uh, uh, brokers that you, know, that, that you get along with that will give you an honest referral and, and find one that's you know, that that's comparable, get, you know, get good testimonials from them, good referrals from them. Somebody else has a portfolio and, and spend a couple of more dollars than you're comfortable with, with the right uh, videographer. And you'll see if you do it right and you actually use your video, it'll pay for itself very quickly and you'll be ready to do another one. Mm, absolutely. Do you, um, presumably you've got a showcase page of videos you've done and yeah, things like that. If you send me the link, I'll make sure it goes in the show notes uh, that attach the, the podcast. I'd be interested in having a look as well. I might be picking your brain on. So I've done this on Doodly. <laughs> Could you help me? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, un, yeah, we'll undo that. But yeah, I'll send you a portfolio. I'll send you that six question form. And a big key to this, and I just said a second ago, is after you make the video, you actually have to use the thing. It's not like 10 or 15 years ago where you created a video and then suddenly you were a viral star because nobody else had one. And I think you're, some of your listeners will probably relate to the idea, well, I made a video once and it didn't do anything. Well, of course it didn't do anything. I mean, you didn't, you didn't use it. It's like buying a piece of exercise equipment. It's like going and getting one of these fancy new Peloton bikes. Uh, uh, buying it and riding it once and thinking you were supposed to lose 20 pounds. Well, it didn't work for me. Of course it didn't work for you. You didn't use it. And your video is the same way. It's got a wide variety of uses and you need to re reuse it relentlessly. So one of the things that I do for Boston Tullis, but also for a couple of clients is it chop up, chop up and repurpose as much right. as you can. So YouTube, LinkedIn, embedded in your website, Twitter, everything you can think of. Have you got any anything I haven't said? Any other ways that you'd recommend people use video? Well, I have a couple of basic ways, low-hanging fruit, so to speak, especially for people in the insurance industry. Two smart but simple ways that, you know, it doesn't have to mean you're a social media guru, but put it on your website. And I have found so many people will have a video and they'll bury it somewhere in these tabs that you can never find it. You should have a good explainer style video on the homepage of your website. So when somebody hears about Sarah, they don't necessarily pick up the phone right away. They're hearing about you, but they've also asked around to another friend, family, coworkers about where they should, let's say you're you know, selling insurance. Well, who should we talk to? Oh, you've got to talk to Sarah. Okay. Well, you've also got to talk to Bob. The first thing anybody does, and this is worldwide universal is go to their 
website. Like check them out online. And if your website is filled with boring stock images or jargon or great customer service, that it's not memorable. But if you have a giant pretty video right there that once they play minute and a half and they're the star of the video, they'll remember you. So that's a point you've already got over the competition. Then they'll either call or uh, email. As you follow up with them, it'd be great if you had another video to follow up with them on uh, of kind of what next steps might be or here's something else to consider or even if it was just the same video because that will make them remember you more than the competition. Your opportunity to close that lead is kind of went through the roof. So I tell people, Word of mouth referrals, they still work. They'll probably, you know, until I retire from this or my kids retire will be one of the number one ways that you want to get clients. And it's it's a proven system. That's what you want. But you've got to do something that will close at a higher rate. Even if you just close a one or two extra per month, per week, whatever, it'll, it'll have a massive change in your revenue. But those two simple ways, in addition to every other thing that you were mentioning or could mention, it boggles my mind how people don't do that. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely couldn't agree more. I think uh, this has been really interesting and it's really fun for me to speak to a, a, another partnered, part creative marketeer, I suppose is, is the word. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I feel like you and me need a logo, the two marketeers. Oh, I love it. And if we bring in your three kids and my three kids, we could... No, let's not do that. Okay. You can't put them all in there. <laughs> oh, I'm not no, giving any of them a sword either. Uh, oh, God, my five-year-old is... Um, Leah, let's not go there. <laughs> sure. Um, no, I've really, really enjoyed this. This was fabulous. If you can send me over links, I'll make sure they go in, in the show notes. This will be going live on the 8th of June. So a week or so, I shall let you know when it's live. I'll let you know when the uh, YouTube videos are up. And if anybody's got any questions for Charles, please email me or um, I'll have Charles's website in the show notes as well. That was really, really helpful. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.